Welcome to Life, the ultimate choose-your-own-adventure game with hosts Cliff Ravenscraft and Daphne Scott. Join this dynamic duo as they explore the profound concept of life as a thrilling adventure, blending ancient wisdom and modern psychology. Embrace the joy of living with presence, creativity, and playfulness. It's time to navigate the game of life together. Are you ready to play? Let the adventure begin. Well, welcome to Life, the ultimate choose-your-own-adventure game podcast. I'm Daphne Scott, and with me today, and as always, going forward is... Cliff Ravenscraft. Hello, everyone. This is the podcast all about choosing your own adventure in the game of life. Cliff, I am so excited to be with you. Daphne, show. oh my goodness. I have been <laughs> looking forward to this day for months now. Can you believe it? I can believe it. I can. Yeah. Yeah, it's been great. And I want to first, let me just start with some, we'll, we'll get into what the show's about. Really what that, this first episode is really all about like, what is this show even about? Like, what are we doing? Why are we talking about this game and choose your own adventure? And and we'll give some background. But I first and foremost want to appreciate you for being willing to take the leap with me, jumping off the cliff here to do this show together. Ah, no pun intended, um, but get, jumping into this with me. So I just really want to appreciate you for your willingness to play and come together to do the show. Very exciting. Well, I just want to appreciate you for just who you are in this world and also just in my own personal and professional life. I, it's just been a joy and honor to journey with you through this game of life, this adventure <laughs> of life that we have. And I, it's not too much of a, it's not too much of a leap for me. This, this is something that <laughs> this is like, this is like jumping into a swimming pool that's been warm to bath temperature. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a very good metaphor. I agree. It's not like we're it's not like we're doing a cold plunge. Thank goodness. No cold plunges here. No, no, not not required. I I did share, you know, I sent out uh, a few messages on social media and people that had been listening to my show before. But, you know, we've known each other now for over a decade. You've been an incredible confidant to me, my coach, my business coach, my mindset coach. And I think that is some of what really sparked me. I, I think I've thought about this concept for and it's not my own concept. So let me just say that people have talked about life being played as a game for, for many, many, <laughs> many, many eons. But the show idea itself has been percolating with me for probably a couple of years as I was doing, you know, setting up my own business and in corporate life and looking at how I was really relating to life. You know, is it a game or is it really serious? And so the, the idea was there. And then I think Cliff, just in our interactions together, and you can share some of what you've gone through in your own mindset shifts, but really relating to this whole thing of life as a game and the moves that we're making and how we're choosing things, which I know we're going to talk about today. But, you know, just to really set up the context that I've known you for quite some time <laughs> and and you've helped me in immense, immeasurable ways in my life. And uh, not only with the coaching side of it, but I think one thing that really stood out is just the levels of empathy and understanding and compassion that you demonstrated, which is really what you know, a friendship, a relationship really, I think is the foundation of it. So I wanted to really set that up as well, that this isn't like I just met you yesterday. We're like, let's just do this show, which would be fine too. That would be fine. But really wanted to set that up and set up the context there too. So can't think of a better guy to play with in this game. Well, well, I, I love it. And I am thinking back upon what and well, actually where I was 
on, let's just say, maybe the map of consciousness or where I was in the game of emotional intelligence when you and I mm. first starting to work together. And thankfully, I was just at some level of peak of transformation in my life when it comes to those two things, both in emotional intelligence and in levels of consciousness. And what's, yeah. what I really appreciate about all of this is that right when I began to say, you know what, I am taking control of my life. I am not going to live by my programming code of upbringing based upon my limiting beliefs of what's possible, what should be, what is responsible, and all this other stuff. I had done a great deal of breaking free from so much of that before you and I met. Yeah. But how much has transpired in my growth <laughs> and elevation, it, both in emotional intelligence and levels of consciousness has been it's been an adventure in and of itself, which I'm sure is going to come out over the course of our conversations. It absolutely will. For both of us, it absolutely will. Which, I, I mean, you're, you're perfect segue, by the way, um, into the adventure. So, you know, let's talk about like why why this show. I mean, Cliff, you have been podcasting. How many podcasts do you have now total? Like uh, well, number of shows, just number of shows, not not episodes. Given the fact that I do consider myself to be a, an equal co-host with you here, this would be my 51st podcast show that I'm involved wow. in, and I have over 4,700 individual podcast episodes that I am communicating in out to the world. Isn't that amazing? So, so a few, a few shows. <laughs> A few. <laughs> a few, a few, a few. And I think that's the the other part of this is just why this show, you know, what, what's been the importance to me and your willingness to jump in and what do we mean by let's get into sort of breaking down the title of the show just a little bit, but what do we mean exactly when we talk about life as a game? And it sounds a little, as I thought about it, it might sound a little romanticized maybe you know, a little high-minded, like, it's just a game we're playing, you know, don't take it so seriously. However, <laughs> and there's some truth to that. However, I think that I watch and I watch people struggle with decisions. I've watched myself struggle in my own choices, thinking that I've got to get it right. I've got to make, I'm going to make this decision. I've got to make the right decision. And I think it's really helpful to talk about how not seeing or how rather seeing life as a game can be really helpful when we're making choices and how we relate to those choices. And not that we want to make, in some instance, maybe a cavalier choice, but I do think there's something to be said around how we can relate to these things. And um, that's really what I wanted to talk about first and foremost. And Cliff, I'd be really curious to hear, as we talked about doing the show together, what your perspectives are in seeing life as a game and seeing it as an adventure, but more so on the game side of it and how you relate to that too. Yeah, well, I think I probably am the one who contributed to the choose your own adventure side of thinking about life as a game. Yeah, And for me, definitely. it reminds me of those books when I was a kid you could open up the book and start reading a story. And then you're faced with a choice. And if you choose A, 
you turn to page such and such. And if you choose option B, you turn to a completely different page. And depending yeah. upon which option you chose, you're going to experience different parts of an adventure. And, and of course, those pages will guide you through all these different paths that you could go down. Now, occasionally, what I would have done is I would have gone through one sequential path of all of the choices that I made, but it was fun for me at times to go back and restart the story from the beginning and choose different options and see just how vastly different the experience of that story could be. Yeah, And when I, I think that my life, I fully embody that that's my reality. Every single moment of every day, I'm given multiple choices and the choices that I make today will determine what adventure plays out before me. And oh. just as I'm making the decision right now, I may have ideas in my mind about how this story might play out, but there's something about the unknown that makes the adventure <laughs> adventurous. Yeah. And isn't it fun how much we just want to know? I I had this idea. This, this is so great. I had this idea as we were putting this together. I'm like, wouldn't you be so annoyed if I was like, Cliff, I just watched this great movie and here's how it ended. <laughs> We, as a matter of fact, we put things out there like spoiler alert because we don't want to spoil the end, the adventure for people, right? The experience of not knowing, and yet in our lives, we we must have we must have certainty. We we will almost act as though we can't live without it. And I have tried to break myself free from wanting as much certainty as I used to. Yes, now, I yes. I buy into the idea that certainty at some level is one of our six human needs as described by Tony Robbins and others. But with that being said, I, I have begun to embrace more of that variety slash uncertainty side of life. And yes. the reason for that, it reminds me, you talk about, you know, spoilers of a movie. But there's an Abraham Hicks teaching that I love, and she's often talking about the fact that sometimes we just want to get there. We just want to accomplish a goal. We just want to know it's done, and we want to know that we're, we have succeeded <laughs> and all this other stuff. And she goes, well, let me ask you this. If, if you were planning to go on a two-week trip with your family, and, and I'm thinking very specifically of a two-week trip where my family and I went to Europe, we went to uh, five countries within two weeks. We started in Edinburgh, Scotland, Scotland. We went down to London, went back up to Wales. Uh, then we took the channel to France, and then we went up to the Netherlands. It was in the most incredible two weeks of our lives. However, yeah. here's the thing. When we left, we knew that the destination at the end was being back home. And if life is all about getting to the destination, well, I'm already at home. And in two <laughs> weeks after I leave, I'm going to get back home. So therefore, the destination is home. That's the end goal, to get back home safe. I'm already home safe. Why don't I just save $20,000 and stay here? <laughs> exactly. You can, you can stay home and argue with your family. You don't have to go to Scotland to do it. <laughs> that's in my mind that's true certainty certainty yeah. is i know the destination is getting home safe 
Well, I'm yeah. already home safe. Let's just stay here. I agree. I mean, I think, and I think that some of what you're talking about with the journey, I mean, let's go back to the adventure part of this. You know, is it a, I mean, we can, we use the metaphor, you know, life is a journey. I, I think that's great. And I also think there's an implication that we are trying to get somewhere, right? Like I am always trying to get from point A to point B and that, that, and I've watched this with in leadership, I've watched it in business forever, that we've got to go from here to here. And in the middle of that, we really aren't that concerned about the journey or what's happening in the journey itself. We're just concerned with point A, going from point A to point B. And I think that does set up, first of all, I think it feeds into the desire for certainty. Secondly, which we'll come back to. Secondly, I also feel that's what creates a lot of the striving that many of us can experience. I think that I've experienced in my life, which you have witnessed firsthand <laughs> in many of our coaching sessions, which is something, by the way, that I also wor probably will work through with for the rest of my life, but really have worked through as well. That sort of overachiever, uh, getting things done, which it's great to check things off the list. I'm not you know, saying that that's a bad thing. However, I think the striving part of it really only focusing going from point A to point B. And then that journey idea sets up, well, it's a journey and you still got to get to point B can set up a lot of that striving. And I don't, I'm not sure how you've related to that in your life, Cliff, or what, you know, how that's shown up for you. But um, I think that's some of where changing this sort of part in our mind to, and, and our mindset around, yes, I do want to accomplish, I do want to, I, I do want to do this show with you. There are steps I'm going to take, right? There are technologies to set up and work through and a plan to put in place. And if it was only about, well, we're just doing the show now, so that's it, you know. Now, on to the next thing, it can really lose, life can really lose its juice and become pretty dry. So those are some of my thoughts about the the adventure part and the game part as well. Well, if you're asking me how I've related to this point A, point B yeah. sort of mentality and I've got to get to point B, I very much used to have that as my main experience of life. I was a goal achieving person for most of my life. It it goes all the way back. The earliest I can remember is, gosh, I can't wait till Christmas gets here. And that's the entire month of December because I have <laughs> a suspicion of what my Christmas presents are going to be. And then right. when I was a kid, I remember. I remember that every summer our family would go to this amusement park called King's Island in Cincinnati, oh, yeah. Ohio. And, and, and it's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till this gets here. And, and it would be like, that's three weeks away. And, and every single day seemed like 15 eternities. Yes. And it's like, You're waiting. It's like, it's, Exactly. I'm just waiting. And, yes. and those 15 days could be so wasted on just only thinking about point B, point B. And of course, I carried this into my school life with my my grades and study and all this other stuff. And then I carried it into my work life and achieving, you know, all sorts of goals there. And yeah, and for me, I I I'm getting ready. I believe I'm going to turn 51 years old here in about 12 days from now. Okay. And if I I if I had to guess, I probably completely 
blew like 30 years of my life in just not experiencing the moment, but only just wishing for, you know, what's a, yes. what's on the horizon two months from now, three months from now, six months from now. I just wish that were here. And what really shifted things for me uh, is, is death. Death yeah. really <laughs> shook that up for me. There was a friend of mine, her name was Amy, and she was a member of our community. And we were like, oh, I can't wait till Lost comes back. I can't wait till this season starts. I can't wait to figure out this. And here she was on her deathbed suffering from mm. ulcer ulcerative colitis. And yet what I found in her was a different way of being. And at the time, I was still like death was probably among my highest fears. And and uh, well, I, I don't maybe snakes might have been right up there with it. Maybe death would have been <laughs> you, better. You just listed I don't my know. top two. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, what I saw was this friend of mine facing death. And you know mm -hmm. what? She wasn't likely to see the next episode. She, which I'm sorry, the next season of Lost, which was the conclusion or whatever. I and by the way, I could totally have my timing off, and I'm I'm mixing up the story here in my mind. But what's important for me to know is there were things that I was looking forward to that I knew she was also passionate about, and yeah. I knew that I was likely to experience it, and she wasn't, and yet she had a greater. The, uh, quality of life in her dying days than I was having in my living days. Isn't that something? Well, let's, you, you yeah. know, let's talk about death for a minute. <laughs> it's a worthy, first of all, it's something we don't often give a lot of credence to. I think we hide it, especially in our culture, Western culture, we hide, hide a lot of it and don't like to think about it. And as a matter of fact, it behind me, here in my little studio, there is a, it's called the life calendar. I got it off of the website and this guy that does this writing on wait, but why, if anybody's not checked that out, highly recommend it. You can order it. And he does a whole, uh, basically lists out from year month zero. Each row is a full year of your life with the weeks on it. So I can see from the time I was born, I'm now 53. I'll turn 54 this year. And I can see each week of my life. And so all of them have an X and it goes up to year 90. <laughs> so as I've been going through the weeks of my life, I can X off in each year, each week that has passed. And it's a practice for me, Cliff, very much to what you're speaking about, to recognize that the moments, the moments are moving, whether I want them to or not, they are moving. And how much appreciation can I have in the moment, as I'm in a moment, and I want to come back to this experience, by the way, of certainty, and more so the the um, the experience the, the experiences that we're wanting to avoid. I want to come back to that. I think it's relevant. Nevertheless, looking at this calendar in that way is always a reminder for me that the moments are you know they're moving. Like we could call it moving forward, we could call it however we want to relate to time, but the reality is I won't be on this planet forever. Uh, my my experience on this planet will come to an end one way or the other. So I think death in recognizing that, not in a morbid sort of way, but I do think that there is a benefit to 
uh, what you were talking about, Cliff, of just these moments of experience and how we're relating to this idea of like getting to the next thing and just setting up a life of just waiting. That life of just if only once I have X, then, <laughs> right? There's this big, it reminds me of a, a computer code, like if, you know, then, um, which just doesn't seem like a real, the, it doesn't, doesn't, when I've lived that way, it definitely did not bring me the deepest joy and thriving part of my life. It, it did life. It definitely did not create that for me. It did not create an experience of being in that you know, practicing being in that moment. So I think death is a real great uh, equalizer <laughs> to help us in our mindset and how we're relating to these things. And the experience of just waiting, you know, if only, if only I had this thing, then I could be X, you know, or experience X. Let's, let's go back to this certainty idea. And this, um, what you said, I thought was so great, Cliff, when we talked about the adventure you know, the adventure part of this and choose your own adventure and you get to choose sort of these different options and therefore choose your experience. What have you noticed in your life or experiences that, and with your clients too, that you've wanted to avoid? Have you noticed this, that they're just, I think this is where the, the conflict around choosing, like I'm going to make a choice because I want to avoid experiencing X. And versus hmm. I'm going to choose. Have you noticed this a lot? It, let me talk about my own experience. Like I'm going to choose to do this thing because I don't want to experience. Uh, I'm going to, here's a really good one. I'm going to choose to stay in this job because I don't want to experience losing money. I don't want that experience. Yeah, yeah I get where you're coming from. The, the idea here, the way that I'm that I've experienced this and I, I witness it in clients that I work with is it's focusing on what I don't want versus what I do want. Yeah. And so it's yeah. focusing what I want to avoid versus what do I want to create? Yes. And I, I tend to lean towards today, and this hasn't always been the case, but I tend to lean towards this fascination and obsession of what do I want to create? What do I want to experience? There's a strong belief within me of the law of attraction, personally. Mm -hmm. And yes. I believe whatever one focuses on, it expands. So Cliff, if I make... And also, it wasn't, it wasn't always, that wasn't always your mindset. I think this is important. That, this is, that oh, absolutely, yeah, no. Yeah, that wasn't how you always yeah, came it, to yeah, life, yeah. Oh, no, I, I, matter of fact, prior to uh, 2020, I didn't even, quote unquote, really give much credence to the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. I had a massive, what I consider to be a massive spiritual awakening in the year of 2020, and it's been an expanding and exponential growth since that time. And who I was prior to 2020, um, there, there, there was a lot of awakening that was happening from, let's just say, 2009 all the way up to 2014 that led up to this precipice, I guess, if you, if you will, in this expanding of, of my beliefs. But yeah, yeah to, 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 to your point, and that's what I was referring to much earlier in this episode, where I talked about you know my levels of consciousness and my emotional intelligence is has has just flourished 
in a in a beautiful way. But no, I used to really struggle with um, you know, the things that I want to avoid. I, I'm going to do this so that I can avoid getting sick. So that's why I'm going to start eating healthy. I'm going to I, you know, j- you name it, the, all of the things I don't <laughs> want in my life. That's why I'm making the decision to go these and do these things. Often things that I don't really want to do, but I yes. have come to the place where I want to avoid something that seems so terrible that I'm willing to do this thing I don't like so that I can avoid it. And my life at the time had become a series of actions and activities and behaviors in my life where every day was me trying to keep ahead of all the unwanted things in my life. And it was burning me out (laughs) night and day. Yeah. So uh, exactly. And then if we shift, so go back to where I kind of interrupted your thought pattern there, but go back to the part about, okay, now now it's a mindset it's a way of looking at this life this adventure this game and looking at it through the lens of what do i want to create like let's yeah let's, and, yeah and for me again it's what i focus on expands and so wherever the, what is the point of attraction if you will for me it's not what i want to avoid it's what do i want to experience what do i want to create what is it that i want to have as my adventure moving forward and i will make decisions and i will take action based upon what i want not necessarily what i'm afraid might happen otherwise and ever since i've been living my life that way It's not that there aren't undesirable, unexpected, and inconvenient circumstances that show up in my life. It's just that my overall quality of life is so high that when the unexpected, (laughs) unintentional, and (laughs) or inconvenient things show up, I'm able to just handle those things because, again, there's this thing called level of consciousness. I, I just don't resonate any longer in that guilt and shame or that Mm. brooding and anger. I don't get me wrong. I get triggered into them every now and then, but I just don't stay there like I used to. I live at a different level of what do I want to create versus what do I want to avoid? Yeah. Well, in living in that space, how does it help anything? And (laughs) it doesn't, I love it when I find myself complaining you know, like it doesn't, I mean, it's fine. It doesn't really, it doesn't change anything that's just happened, which is sort of funny. Um, And, you know, I think that's, this is the other part of, I mean, Cliff, what you just said was so valuable and that simply because we, and I think this can be some of the, the misunderstanding around this because we shift our mindset does not mean that we are suddenly immune to the, what they call the vicissitudes of life. Right. The ever the, uh, you can call them the eight worldly wins, but gain, loss, praise, blame, pleasure, pain, fame and obscurity. We, we will experience these things. We don't control, uh, you know, I'm going to lose the people in my life that are dearest to me. They will die. Um, I will lose. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like material things that I've lost, you know, sweatshirts. I don't know <laughs> on a whole nother level. Um, but that that's just part of living this life. But what you said was so critical. It's how you are relating to those things. And you just don't spend a lot of time brooding over that. I like that word, by the way, brooding. Can I give you a, a real life 
example of this and you yes. said something and and if i can give a contrary uh, uh, a contrary uh, what, what do you call that when you know contrarian a view opinion, yeah. a, that's it thank you a contrarian oh. view and what i want to do is i want to look for a text message well, I, I'm not going to find the text message and read it to you. But what I will just tell you is that I recently received a text message on December 20th from a friend of mine and a mentor. His name is Dan Miller. And he okay. says, Cliff, I wanted you to hear this from me instead of hearing it through the grapevine. But on December 7th, I was in Las Vegas with my sons and we were at the Sphere seeing you too. And I was experiencing discomfort. I decided that I needed to leave. Eventually, I decided it was important that I travel back home, went to the doctor, Ooh. and I was recently diagnosed uh, that I have advanced stage pancreatic cancer, and it's already mm -hmm. spread throughout bones in certain different areas of my life or in, in my body. And as a result of that, they're saying that I have at max six months to live. And I just wanted to let you make sure that you were aware of this. And, he, and then he went on with the most beautiful, most eloquent way of saying that he's not, he's not struggling with this. He says, I've not... I don't have any regrets. Joanne and I have lived our lived our lives to the fullest. We've always done the things that we've wanted to do. Uh, and he said some very beautiful things about how his legacy will continue to live on in me and that he's how much he's been thrilled. and And here he was sending this message to me. and And one of the things that i I loved at the end, he says, and and he says, and I know that you'll understand what I mean when he says when he said that, um he says, I'm looking forward to this next spiritual evolution. and um, and he signed off this text message with uh, your friend for eternity. Now, daphne, you you mentioned the fact that we'll experience loss. I, I, in this scenario, where I am today, I don't think I will ever experience the loss of Dan Miller. I've only experienced the gain of meeting him for the first time and the influence and impact he's been on in my life, the, the closeness and the relationship that we've developed over all of these years. And knowing that, in fact, recently, there, it, he may even only have weeks to live at this point, but to know how who he is, how he's experiencing this end of life transition, and somebody reached out to me and says, "Cliff, I just heard the news. I'm sure you've you're you probably were aware before me. You must be really struggling. You must be really gutted by this." And I'm like, "No, I I've been in a constant state of celebration and thankfulness mm. and praise." And I don't, I don't, even though Dan Miller and my ability to go and physically be in his presence and to have what we would conceive as a conversation that is a, as real as the conversation you and I are having right now, Daphne, I just don't sense in my life that I will ever lose the actual essence of Dan Miller. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. That totally makes sense to me. And now you're getting to it. <laughs> the root of the whole thing, right? Again, I think that we have the opportunity, and this is really what this show is all about. I think we have the opportunity to choose on some level, yes. right? On some level, I don't get to choose, let me put it this way. And, and by the way, I want to, I think this is really critical. I think this is a very critical conversation around the idea of choosing what we're choosing, what, what we're in 
I don't want to say control of, because I really don't believe anymore that I'm in control of anything. I think that's also a real dicey sort of way to to come to this experience of living as a as a human and a being on the planet. But what you're pointing to, Cliff, is the ability to choose how you are going to be in a relationship with this idea of Dan's physical manifestation uh, not being as it was, right? However we want to characterize that. And so we can choose to be brought to our knees as much as we'd like and or have a relationship with that experience and experience it in a way that can bring us, hopefully, bring us to a deeper, deeper, deeper understanding and create more thriving throughout the whole adventure for us and the people around us. So you're getting right at the root of this um, in terms of what we're choosing. I don't, I don't believe, and in my experience, I don't, I don't, like, I don't get to choose who, who physically exists on this planet and who doesn't, right? I, like, I didn't get, you don't get to choose Dan, what his body's going to do or whatever for that as an example. I do, however, do feel that I, in your whole story and, and mine as well, on our mindset shifts, I do believe that we have the ability to choose the mindset that we want to have and choose yes, how I, we relate to things. You know, this is a big the, conversation. <laughs> it is a big conversation. And I believe it can be brought down to a simple formula. And I okay. first was confronted with this formula by T. Harv Ecker in the opening of his book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And I have I, I have modified it to call it the tier, T-E-A-R formula. He actually he actually has something other than that. So I think his is slightly modified. But anyway, it's tiers. Thoughts and emotions is basically what's going to determine every action that we take in life. So it's the way yes. that we're thinking and the way that we're feeling is always going to determine the action that we're experiencing in life. And our actions are always going to produce some level of result. So if you want to know what results are in your life right now, whether that be emotional results or financial results, relational results, whatever kind of results, those results typically came from actions that are on the other side of the equation. And if you want to know what those actions uh, were caused by, it's the way that we are thinking and or feeling in the world. And the way we think and feel is based upon our beliefs. So yes. when we talk about choose your own adventure, you can actually choose your own emotion. You can choose your own thoughts. You can choose your own uh, beliefs. And this is something that was really brand new to me when I started studying Tony Robbins materials in 2015 at a very deep level. He said mm -hmm. there, I'll never forget where I was. I was on uh, Interstate 275 passing Mineola Pike heading eastbound towards home from the uh, gym the day that I was listening to Creating Lasting Change and Tony Robbins said this phrase, a belief is nothing more than a thought that you feel certain is true. Yes. And I'm like, what? What? No way. <laughs> it's just a thought. <laughs> it's just a thought that I feel certain. 
is true. And, and Abraham Hicks says that a feeling is a thought that you have a habit. I'm sorry, a belief is a habit, a thought that you have the habit of thinking. So yeah. what I recognize is that, yeah, my beliefs definitely are controlling how I'm feeling. And how I'm feeling is definitely impacting my decisions. And yes. my decisions are impacting my quality of life or the results that I'm getting in life. And, yes. and what I recognize is I there, there's this thing called de deconstruction. And I've gone through an incredibly rewarding uh, and life-affirming process of deconstruction. And also yeah. a bit of reconstruction of what do I consciously believe versus what was handed down from generations past. And what was handed down from generations past gets you the typical average experience and quality of life. And if you want something beyond that, I discovered that you have to change the way that you're thinking and feeling most of the time. And to change that, I had to change my beliefs. Yeah. I mean, that. I think that's the, that's the whole point of the thing. <laughs> and, you know, as I've gone on my own journey, I mean, the, the countless process of hours of therapy, thank goodness, you know, some of what you were talking about that you read there also is the basis of, of cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, um, the ABC model, right? There's an activating event. You have a belief about that. And that actually creates your consequence. And th th this is, I think at this point, I feel as though that's becoming more well-known. I hope that it is. Because I think what it gets at, Cliff, is another point that you're making here, which is it is possible. It is 100% possible to re, what would you call it, deconstruct? Yes, to deconstruct, yes. To, to evaluate what is it that I believe. And then yes. why do I believe that is true? Where did I first hear that? Did, yeah. did at some point I agree with it? Or was it during the first seven years of my life where I was, my brainwaves were mostly in this thing called theta brainwave state and I just absorbed it. But, but yes. where did this come from? And the question is, is, is there evidence to support it? And it's certainly I've been building evidence with my brain that's selectively looking for things to prove that what I believe is right. So I have yeah. a lot of evidence to support what I believe. However, the question is, is could it be possible that there is evidence to support that what I believe is not true? And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's overwhelming <laughs> the support that's out there for that. And I'm like, what would life be like if I believed this instead? And then, yeah, yeah there, it's an amazing process. There's a um, little exercise. It's my favorite. It's, it was a game changer in my life. I learned it from Katie Hendricks. And you know the Hendricks uh, uh, very well. Gay Hendricks, you've talked about his book, The Big Leap. By the way, that would be a book we would, I think, I'm going to say we, I'm going to say we, oh, would yes. recommend anyone read, for sure. Game changer in my life. But the little exercise they would do is fact versus story. And the fact would be anything that a video camera could record. This is such a fun game. This is one of the many games in our <laughs> our adventure of life. You, a fact is anything a video camera rec would record. And then I would, you know, if something if something less than savory would happen or show up in my life, like I didn't want it to, I would say, okay, what were the actual facts? And you know, you'd have two or three. 
maybe at the most what the video camera would have recorded it could have recorded a person saying something it could have recorded a person walking it could you know moving whatever video camera would grab and then i'd put my stories up against it oh my gosh cliff <laughs> if you really want to see how your beliefs thoughts and emotions affect an outcome or affect your perception of what yeah. is happening yeah just do that do that exercise what was real? I mean, if you distill down the facts of something that happens in your life and put your stories up against it, you will see very clearly your beliefs and how that really is creating your perspective of what's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it was that was a that was a game changer at, for me. At a very high level, all there ever is is what is, and then there's the meaning that we associate to it. Yes, absolutely. So Let's. I want to. Sh I want to talk about this um, chef in New York, and I saw this um, in a movie, a documentary I just watched on Netflix. It was called "You Are What You Eat." But the the <laughs> I think the more, and it was all about food and everything, which is fine. But the story that they told in this documentary was about uh, the restaurant Eleven Madison Park. It's in New York, and this chef. I believe it was in 2017, he won, finally got like a third Michelin star, which if you're running a restaurant, this is, you know, restaurant of any, you know, you want it to be a high-end restaurant, you go after the Michelin stars. And so he gets it. And then 2020 comes around and he decides to make the restaurant all fruits and vegetables, all plant-based. Just goes to a complete to your point, deconstruction, or to use your words, deconstruction, based on a shifting experience and belief that he had. And this guy risks it all. You, I went back and looked up for myself all of the criticism he was getting for doing what he was doing. And all, by the way, and more importantly, Cliff, all of the predictions he was going to fail. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can you can you can imagine this, right? He's pulling all the meat off the menu. He's going to fail. He's how can he how can he possibly justify charging what he's charging? No one wants this. It, I, I mean, you should read <laughs> just sort of these predictions. Of course, what ends up happening? The exact opposite. And I was so curious about this mindset, I went back and watched his interviews in this documentary purely out of the curiosity that, you know, the curiosity I had about him to shift his mindset in that way, to say, this, this is what I'm called to do now. And this is what I'm seeing happening. And of course, he had a lot of sort of rationalizations, but I thought about really in terms of choosing and following that path, I was really following his path at that time, and how how incredibly courageous that can seem. And I thought that was one part too to talk about today. As you went through your journey, and I was thinking about my own, did you feel courageous? Did you feel yes. like okay, okay, yes? I'll say why I think this is important in a second. For me. When I think about the word courage, it's not the absence of fear. It's the acknowledgement that fear is there, but I'm going to proceed anyway because what I want on the other side of the fear is that important to me. And so that's what I, when I think about courage, that's what it is. So when I was working, I had lived most of my life 
up until January 2008 as an employee. And I was working for my mom and dad in an insurance agency owned by my parents that my grandfather started in 1937. I was next in line to take it over. I was incredibly, wildly, financially successful but my number one passion was podcasting and what was being what was being created in the world for me and for those I was interacting with through the content that I was creating. And after about somewhere about six to nine months of podcasting as a hobby, I began to see my day job as an insurance, as a distraction from what I most wanted to create in the world, what I yeah. most felt compelled to do and to be in the world. And every day that I was not pursuing what I most wanted to do full time, a little part of me died. And, and yeah. the idea, uh, the idea of leaving the most, the, the greatest job security anyone on the planet could possibly have, I had that. And this was at a time where right before the 2008 crash, people were already being laid off left and right. The economy was already starting to, to make a significant shift. And here I was, and people even, a handful of people said, oh my gosh, you want to give up all of this to go pursue what? Your hobby for a living? And of course, I felt a lot of fear and anxiety and worry about whether or not I could pull it off. And, and, yep. and there was tons of unknowns. But for me, what I wanted to create was so uh, visceral and real in my mind that yes, I may struggle. Yes, I may have all sorts of terrible things that could happen and all this other stuff, but at what cost? It, it will be worth it. I want what's on the other side. And so, yeah, I did actually feel a great level of courage. Now, Courage, I just want to clarify for me, is not the absence of fear. I had tons of fear. I had tons of anxiety. I had tons of worry. And as a result of it, my first year full-time self-employed was the highest highs I ever had emotionally. And before this is before I knew and I never heard of emotional intelligence. The idea that you could <laughs> control your emotional state was not something this guy knew about. And so I didn't I know about it at one point either. <laughs> And then I had the lowest lows. I'm talking full out, like burned out depression throughout this mm -hmm. year. And I had so many limiting beliefs in the first year of full-time self-employment that quite frankly, I was working 12 to 14 hours a day for seven days a week, never took a day off for the first nine months, finally decided to take Sundays off for the final three months, but only after I agreed that I, to myself because my employer was me and he was a taskmaster. Anyway, <laughs> I agreed to work more hours the other six days of the week. And I celebrated my first year in full-time self-employment with only $11,000 net personal income. Now, wow. that was still a profitable year in the business, uh, working a lot of hours. And I celebrated with a 24-hour nonstop podcast marathon. I published 24-hour podcast episodes in 24 hours. And then I went straight to the hospital where I spent two weeks and almost died. But if you were to so... ask me, Cliff, <laughs> if you were to ask me, Cliff, if you knew then 
what you had to go through, what you would potentially go through, would it be worth it? And the answer to the question is yes. I'd do it all over again. Yeah. Well, of course. Well, I say of course because I, I mean, I'm sure you took away lessons that you've learned, mm. right? But it couldn't have been any different than it was. I mean, that that's just the isness of how it is. That's just how it works. It couldn't have been any different because you had, let's go back to this. And I've lived this life as well. You've had, you had a certain set of beliefs, right? That said to be successful, you're going to have to just work 24 hours a day to be yep. successful at this. You're going to have to do this. And I would imagine, and I've lived this, I'll share a little bit of my story here. I've lived this like to, to be successful, you're going to have to suffer just a little bit. There has to be some suffering. Oh, yeah. Involved. yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, my, I think that's a. My suffering was actually caused. One of the beliefs that I had is that if something is incredibly difficult, then mm -hmm. you should get paid more to do it. All right. Yes. So if something, the harder something is to do, the more you should get paid. And here I was all day, every day. People are, I, I'm, I felt guilty and ashamed. And I think the pricing is funny. I felt guilty and ashamed, <laughs> ashamed asking people to pay me $50 an hour to do something that I would do for free. I would actually pay them $50 an hour just to let me do it. It is so yeah. easy. It is so not a big deal. And I can't believe that you're even engaging with me about this thing that I love so much. And I felt so much guilt and shame asking people to pay me for it. And there's a story about a guy who hired me to uh, help him solve a problem. And we scheduled an hour. And I said, listen, it's a minimum at the time. It was a minimum of $300 uh, for one hour. And I don't think it's going to take you know more than an hour to solve this. And he says, great. And we got on the call. And I, we, we both got on this, um, what do you call it, a, a we a telephone line where we dialed in and we started early. So it's kind of like a Zoom where, meeting like, where you show up early. What do you call it? A, a telephone? <laughs> Love yeah, it. The telephone. It was a telephone bridge is what it was called. But it's kind of like showing up to a Zoom meeting today, five minutes early. And so literally he says, okay, here's the problem. And I said, do me a favor. What's your phone number? I'll call it from my cell phone. I called it and I'm like, oh, I heard the sound. And I'm like, oh, do this. And I said, reach behind, unplug the power cable and plug it back in. And I said, okay, let me call again. And he's, there you go. Problem solved. Hey, by the way, this is called a crossover. Um, chances are your power went out. And when the power came back on, it created a surge and it was too much for the circuits. This has happened to me five times in the past. This will, anytime this ever happens to you again, that's all you need to do. He says, great, Cliff. Wow. Thank you so much. Send me the invoice. And Daphne, I refused to send the guy the invoice. I said, no way. You've got an hour. We haven't even, it, it's like, listen, our hour begins one minute from now. I literally, argue, he, he and I argued back and forth for about seven minutes. That, that might be an exaggeration. Did you, did like, you send him an invoice said, for the seven minutes? <laughs> I, I did not. I said, this is my gift to you. I should have, you know, blah, blah, blah. All those others. I've obviously at that time, that was so easy. And it's like, mm -hmm. everybody should know this. And I didn't provide value. This was just so natural. And, and you, you sure you don't want to talk for the No, Cliff, I'm good. I've got other things I can do. And just the way that I believed 
gave me an experience where I felt I'm not worthy of the income that he's wanting to pay me. And so therefore, I'm not going to send you an invoice. In fact, I told him, I said, I would not, my conscious conscience would not let me sleep tonight if I send you an invoice. That is exactly word for word what I said to him. I said, wow. just do me a favor, tell other people about who I am and how I show up and what I'm able to help achieve and that I know it'll come back to me in some way. And I do believe that. But boy, looking back, knowing what I know today, wow, that $11,000 net income, I know why I could have, why I only earned so much. <laughs> yeah. And again, lessons that we learn along the way, uh, uh, along the, in the adventure and based on the choices that we're making. And what you yeah, said earlier, just right? I mean, there, the, it just, there are ways that we, it's like, I always wonder to myself, how can I, and I'll come back to the courage thing in a second here, but how can I expedite my learning curve? That's sort of an expedite my belief system. And I think that's one of the advantages when we, with who we're spending time with, how, what we're spending time with, who, books, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a person. I mean, I think that's the beauty of books and reading and all the access that we have to certain things. And the ways we can educate ourselves, like what you said about not knowing anything really about emotional intelligence in 2008 and look at now, right? What you've learned over time yep. and choosing, seeing where we have the gaps in our belief systems and where we've created that and seeing where we're holding on to that. I mean, look at, look at the level of sleep deprivation. I, again, I think we're coming out of that more, at least in the world and the people that I hang out with, where it's not a badge of honor anymore if you're not sleeping. Right. Like, oh, I work till two in the morning. You know, I got three hours sleep. You know, that used to be, I mean, I remember hearing that everywhere. And if I you do weren't doing that, that, do you remember hearing that? Do you remember that? Like, that was just like a thing. Yeah. And thank goodness we're leaving that belief system, but that we really have to suffer. We really have to kill ourselves. Um, we've really got to, you know, make ourselves miserable to get to the things that we want to get, to experience the life that we want to experience. And, and I think that's, Probably, I imagine, and I definitely have learned that in my own life, and I probably imagine that's what you learned before. And of course, you wouldn't do it any different because you couldn't have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes total sense. Hey, speaking of choose your own adventure games, let me ask. And and this whole idea of certainty, this story just came to me. Daphne, yeah. would you ever go on a family trip and intentionally choose to book an Airbnb that you know has bed bugs in France? Would I ever intentionally choose to do that knowing that it had bed bugs uh, in France? I can't imagine right now, I mean, this, we're in hypotheticals. I can't imagine myself knowingly doing that. No. If I'm answering exactly. honestly. So, right. So, hearkening back to the story of my family and I are traveling in Europe for two weeks, and we only had $20,000 budget for the entire two weeks, and we're a family of five. And so we did stay at Airbnbs to save as much money as possible. And sure. we uh, we rented this apartment via Airbnb in France and we got there and we set all of our luggage sitting down in the uh in the foyer area, thankfully. <laughs> and then we <laughs> went to go have lunch with a friend of ours who lives in France. And after we got back, we're ready to unpack and lo and behold, there are these little things that look like red ticks. And I'm like, what's mm. this? 
And Period. For my <laughs> first exposure to bed bugs. And I took a picture and I said, does anybody know what this is? And they're like, get out of there. And <laughs> Run. we did. We, and you know what, Daphne? What adventure be, spawned from that is one of the greatest highlights of that yeah. two weeks. I mean, we have lots of amazing highlights, but there's the picture of us doing a selfie with all of us scratching our head because we're like, now we've got it in our mind that we have bed bugs and then trying to find at the last minute a hotel for us to sleep in. I mean, that was such an adventure. And, and you know, you just have to go. You never know what's going to happen, but right. wow. That right there is exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, okay, that one I didn't choose, but how we responded to that scenario was the choice. Yes. And there's a great, there's a great Zen story. I'm going to probably mangle it, but I'm <laughs> a great Zen story. It's sort of like the farmer, I think it's called or something, but you know, it's essentially like his horse runs off and people are like, oh, it's so horrible that your horse ran off. And he's like, is it, is it? And it turns out like the horse running off was the best thing that ever could have happened. I can't remember the whole story, but it's a whole yeah. series of events like that. Right. And to your point, Cliff, it's like, yeah, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have knowing. And I think this is the part of me that's always a little, I'm going to use the word skeptical. I don't know if that's the right word. Cynical, maybe that's always a little bit not wanting to be overly high minded. And, and at the same time, because I would never choose bed bugs, right? Like you probably wouldn't to your, to, to no, the point of your no, question. Not right? intentionally. Right. Not intentionally. You're like, no, I don't think I can't see myself doing that. Not in the spirit of like, well, if you're really open to the adventure of life, of course you would. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. However, that being said, when those moments arise, by the way, which they will, then what comes of it? How can you see your way through that? When the, when the business doesn't go the way that you would have maybe preferred, maybe, or in the way that you imagined, probably a better word, in the way that you imagined it would go, right? Can you, can you, work through that in a way, absolutely learn. And I think this is a good time for us to bring up our system because I think you were pointing to this and I'll make a comment on the courage thing here in a second. Can you see your way through that in a way that that allows you to learn for sure and also that allows you to keep staying in the adventure, to see, to keep just seeing it as this game that's just progressing, progressing in some way and you don't know what the outcome is going to be. That's the whole point. <laughs> you don't really yeah. know ultimately, right? That's the fun part. And I think when we talk about fear, Fritz Perl said this, um, he said, you know, fear is just excitement without the breath. And my experience when we talk about courage, some of what I was remembering, I can remember, and this is one of the things, one of the many things I've learned from surfing in my lifetime. I will never forget the first time I paddled out. It was like a three foot wave. <laughs> It's like small, you know, I'm on this big board. I'll never forget the first time. But laying down on that board and seeing this wave coming at me was one of the most antagonizing moments. And you're in the, you know, you're in the ocean, you're in the water. So that's, and it, it carries its own own experience. And I'll never forget that. And in just this moment, and the, the guy who was teaching me how to surf, who was so great, he was next to me and he could, he could feel it probably or see it on my face or something. He's like, all you have to do is keep paddling. And I'm like, okay, that's all I have to do. He's just, just keep paddling. So we get out past the break and then, you know, kind of get around the waves and then we're sitting out there and now I'm going to, I'm going to paddle in, I'm going to catch the wave. And so you're laying on this board 
and you're watching, you kind of have your head turned to the side a little bit and you are watching the waves build. You're you can see it. And all of a sudden he's like paddle <laughs> and the wave is coming up behind me. And I remember that moment of just, oh my God, I'm going to get crushed by this thing. I mean, keep in mind, by the way, I'm just learning. This is a small wave. Okay. It's not like a 10 foot wave, <laughs> but when you're laying down in something three foot, four foot is coming up behind you, it, it looks pretty big and you don't know what you're going to do and you don't know what's going to happen. And am I just going to, you know, fall off the board? You know, of course this guy was, was great and great teacher. And he's like, and I just remembered sort of all you have to do is paddle. You don't, he's, he didn't say you have to kill yourself paddling. You have to <laughs> you know, make yourself miserable paddling. He's like, all you have to do is just paddle. I'm like, all right. So, you know, he gives me a little push into the wave and I will never forget the experience of going from this moment of feeling scared, not knowing what was going to happen to the moment of standing up on that board. And I think that that's how I started to relate more and more to these experiences in life. That's why I asked you specifically, Cliff, I'm like, did you feel courageous? Like, what was it like? Like, what did it feel like when you were taking these steps to make these choices? Because I think as I could get more into my own experience in my life and all the different leaps that I've taken and all the different things I've, you know, shifted. And one of the great things I've admired about you as well that I've told you many times is that ability to let go and drop into the next wave. And in that moment, I had to let go of, I had to, first of all, get very present to what was happening. And secondly, I had to let go of, like, I was just in the moment. There was, there was no hanging on to anything else. There was no thinking about three minutes earlier or 30 seconds earlier and just remembering to just paddle, just do that, just be present to what's happening. And that was an experience in my life that I think supported me in understanding, getting more familiar with this path of what am I creating? What are we doing to move this game forward, so to speak, and how we're making different choices? I could have chose the opposite. I could have chose to, to panic. <laughs> I could have made a lot of choices in that moment that probably would have gotten me knocked off my board and, you know, and that would have been fine too right? Just like you were making choices when you first started your business. Um, so I think if we can get ourselves into the experience and grok a little bit from our experiences in those moments in our life, I think it's really helpful too. And to see what we're choosing. And I wanted to drift a little bit, and you've said this to me many times, and I think it's just so valuable. The results that you're getting are perfect for the system you've created. Am I saying that correctly? Uh, yeah, the results that you are getting are perfect for the system you have created. I picked that up from a mentor, uh, Rich Litvin, who is the co-author of the book, The Prof, uh, The Prosperous Coach. Absolutely yeah. love that statement. The results that you are getting are perfect for the system that you have created. Yeah. And I think the core of that system, you know, I went through my work with you on that and my system or, and our system around beliefs, our sy system around how we think we're, we can choose different things and what we can't choose and what we're allowed to and and doing that deconstruction I think is just so valuable uh, on this on this in this adventure and that we can choose anything and it's perfect yeah. I love it I do too wow this can you believe how fast an hour has already transpired <laughs> Daphne I you know with you Cliff I can believe it actually I can't believe it. I want to, I think we can wrap up the show and I want to give, I want to share this quote because this is, uh, if anyone has ever read, and I know you've, I think you've been reading a little bit of him too, Alan Watts. He was a philosopher. He's, he's since passed, but was really known for bringing a little bit of the um, Eastern 
approach to the Western world that in his writings were in his talks. He gave a lot of talks, but I wanted to give a give a, an honorary nod to him about this idea of game. And he used the word play here. But uh, here was a quote from him. And he said, this is the real secret of life to be completely engaged with what you are doing in the here and now. And instead of calling it work, realize it is play. And I think that's the essence of the whole thing. Resonates with me. Yeah, and I and I love Alan Watts. Oh my gosh. I yeah. went to his website. I, I think it's alanwatts.org. And eventually I came across The Works, which is, I think it was $380, but it is a collection of every lecture recorded has been processed by his family. And uh, I, 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 I've listened to Alan Watts all of the time. Yep, me too. All right, we're going to wrap it up. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. We loved being with you today and that you're making your best moves as you play this game of life on this big adventure. And you can find us at cliffravenscraft.com and also daphne-scott.com. We're going to have more great stuff coming for you in the coming weeks. And we're going to wrap it up. As we wrap up this episode of Life, the ultimate choose-your-own-adventure game, we invite you to stay connected. Join our vibrant community at chooseyourownadventurepodcast.com, where you can also connect with Cliff and Daphne. Your adventure continues, and we can't wait to play along with you.